hello and welcome to And The Winner Was. My name is Joel Winstead and this is my journey. I'm watching every Best Picture winner in order, starting in 1927 with Wings, and with each episode I'll be covering a different film with a different guest with me again for the fourth time, back-to-back, Chicago Zone, Don Shanahan. Thank you for having me, Joel. Uh, this is number 20, big number 20. You've crossed it. Yeah, 20th episode, uh, getting closer to the end of season two, getting into the 50s pretty soon. I know. Yeah, I'm excited. Things get grander and brighter and more colorful. You're you're in for, again, I say it every time, you're you're in for a great journey. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, and this is why I'm taking the journey, just to see all these movies that I've been missing for <laughs> so long. Uh, but I really, really do appreciate you 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 doing this and coming keep coming back. It's, uh, Betcha. Gives this podcast some some weight to throw around. That's ah, because we're both over two bills. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I'm over three. This week's episode is Gentleman's Agreement, directed by Elia Kazan. Screenplay by Moss Hart. Uh, Elia Kazan did some revisions uncredited. Uh, based on the novel by Laura Z. Hobson, starring Gregory Peck, Dorothy McGuire, John Garfield, and Celeste Holm. It is about journalist phil green uh moves to new york city he takes on a high profile magazine assignment about anti-semitism in order to truly view things from an empathetic perspective he pretends to be a jew and begins to experience many forms of bigotry both firsthand and through a jewish friend dave goldman played by john garfield phil soon falls in love with the beautiful kathy lacy played by dorothy mcguire but their relationship is complicated by his unusual Endeavor. Mm. Um, this is a movie that I had never heard of. This is one of those best pictures from the 30s and 40s that I just had never even heard of it. Um, it's kind of a shame. I mean, it does. Have, it's got like a, a good message, you know. Like, yeah. Considering um, there's a movie called Oh God, this is my podcast, and this is a movie that I've covered. <laughs> there's a movie that was nominated in one best picture. The no Life way. Was it the life of Emil Zola? Oh my god. I think it sounds it Hold depends on, on what note you're going for here. Hold on. It's called The Life of Emil Zola. Yeah. Um, and it was about um anti-Semitism. And they weren't even okay. allowed to say the word Jew in that movie. Uh huh. Um, they had I to literally say... point to it on a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, so it's it's you know, and that movie came out in 1936. So we're here we are a decade later. And you can get um, away so with a lot more words. That's um, how far the Hayes Code has fallen. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but yeah, there. I mean, straight up anti-Semitism, like coming at you. Sure was. And I'm um, doing the homework on this movie. I, I'm with you. I had never seen it. I'd heard of it, uh, just following Dorothy or following Gregory Peck's career more than anything. And don't get me wrong, I'm a Dorothy McGuire stan because I'm a Swiss Family Robinson baby. But yes, um, of course. Uh, that's just where I see Dorothy McGuire. So to see her as young in this, right? Like, oh my her. gosh, yeah. So, but um, but no, um, I was um, when I saw it based on a novel, I'm like, all right, tell me about this novel. How you know how recent or how long ago would this issue, so to speak, be? And sure enough, this is a 1947 novel made into a movie in 1947. So this would be the equivalent of you know somebody picking up a current bestseller, going, hey, we need to make that right now. And make it right now because this was, yeah, a number one New York Times bestseller in April of 1947. Turned into a movie later that year. Um, it sold uh, 1.6 million copies, which is you know great for back in the day. And um, it sounds like they stayed pretty true to the novel, where just the the novel's description here in Wikipedia says, you know, uh, you know, a gentile. He's assigned by his magazine to tell a story of anti-Semitism. He decides to do it by telling people that he is Jewish. This ruse causes problems with his fiance, who is a social client. I mean, suburbanite and divorcee mm -hmm. and green son is victimized by anti-semitism as well adding to the tension and sounds like they kind of got that spot on and like even the book the brave reviews of the book would be just you know uh one book review said required reading for every thoughtful citizen in this perilous century one said bids fair to the being one of the most astonishing novels of the year so um if that is the juice and that is the buzz that that turns few things into movies and in short order that's we don't see that a lot i think the the next closest one i could think of where like in the prime of its moment they're like hey let's make a movie right now would be like i think like bridges of madison county was like 
a year removed from its massive run as a as a as the beach read mm. of the year. Um, or I'm tr- and I think like as I think Fifty Shades of Grey, for example, was like a few years after the book itself, yeah. and like uh, that was not as immediate as this. We're like, hey, we need to make it right now. I mean, like so, nowadays, um, they option the books before they even hit the shelves. Oh yeah, like this would be pre-production like crazy or like the way we talk about was a game of thrones where we're right. trying to get tv shows out before the, the novelist finishes the novel which is crazy yeah. so yeah cart before the horse for sure <laughs> so no um yeah on that subject of anti-semitism you're right like um that 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 then and maybe not as much now because I, I i i like to think the world's become a little bit better place but we still always hear these stories of even today of um just the treatment of some, you know, certain demographics, communities. Um, you know, we still unfortunately have Nazis, neo Nazis, supporters, and people in this, you know, white supremacists in this world nowadays. But um, sure. um, the interesting thing about this anti Semitism is, I think a lot of people, when you hear that hot button issue of anti Semitism, they go straight to likely the Holocaust or they go straight to, um, again, white supremacists, where you're, you're expecting a, a, a big, busy, loud movie. Whereas this is slyly yet powerfully you know how all of this has just been just woven indoctrinated you know percolating just within general well-to-do upper middle class to upper class society and and this movie kind of just um just yeah just kind of hangs in that area and just kind of um i i don't want to use today's term but it, it feels like like a pearl clutchers movie of like just that idea of like Oh wow, yeah. we're ruffling the feathers of, of supposedly good, successful, well-meaning people for being a little on the wrong side of history and of of counterculture, and for a movie to push those buttons is ballsy, ballsy for its day. Yeah, no, that the, that's my favorite part of this movie is that you know you think it's like anti-Semitism. Oh, it's going to go after like the the big vocal yeah. like uh, we hate Jews type people. Yeah. Um, but really it, it calls out more than anything, like just like the bystanders and the people that aren't, that aren't speaking up and that aren't, they're not on the front lines of the hate parade, but they're, they're, you know, on the sidelines watching, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like what we did last week with, um, the best years of our lives where this isn't, again, this isn't podiums and stumps and, you know, massive, big, huge political level issues where this is just one, one magazine writer, um, in infiltrating with air quotes here, um, mm-hmm. just his own little small sector of middle class society in New York, but also mm-hmm. kind of connecting to New England a little bit. Like this isn't a a deep cover Donny Brasco expose into all right. of what all of the puppet strings that make this happen or put this thought in place in the into this level of society. It's just yeah, one man's and his family's experience at if things were to be a certain way. And again, it's not, it's not trying to shout this to the balconies. I think that they insinuate that the magazine article that eventually comes out of this movie, um, within the movie, this comes from a magazine article already, but, um, but it's insinuated that it's a pretty hot piece and it's, it sets the man up, makes him a great writer, gives him a claim. Uh, obviously is written without his face or byline where, you know, but it maybe overexposes his career, but it doesn't turn it like this is he's not on Oprah the next week. And, you know, right. it, it's never a big right. thing, but it's still a big discovery. But um, mm. but you again, it almost like last week with the best years of our lives, we've got big happenings in small places and big discoveries uh, in small people. And that that can be compelling enough because you you tug in that audience factor of this could be me. Um, I could be this person trying to be the boss of a soldier coming home from World War II. I could be this person who means well but doesn't understand the the racial the intolerances that are happening around me or I'm obliviousness to it. Uh-huh. And I think that's a really cool thing for the movie to show off and expose. And again, in in a PG era, do it in a way that isn't you know massively offensive or massively you know hot button way of like over hammering a point home. Like it, right. it's it's. It's subtle and nuanced while still being sharp and acidic. It's amazing how they, how how Kazan and these old filmmakers can do that and balance that. We talked about it with Weiler, and here we are with Kazan, where yeah, he he makes a hot button issue, but it's it's an icy hot. It's it's strange. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, 
you know, we are a couple of, of years removed from from the atrocities of, of World War Two and and of, of what was happening to Jews. Um, and it, it's there, you know, in, during this time, there were like Nazi sympathizers that were like renting out like Madison Square Garden and like draping it yeah. with Nazi flags. Like there was it was a very prevalent issue. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, still is, it's, it's still a, a very prevalent issue, um, surprisingly uh, so, which is crazy, but you know, I, I, my, my problems, I'll just, I, I had problems with this movie. Um, okay. I, like, I, and I don't really, you know, first of all, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. Um, it's hard. I'm not, it's hard I'm to not plug in. So it's hard yeah. to, you know, I can't like, you know, like you say, clutch my pearls and be all mad that, <laughs> you know, this guy was essentially wearing like Jew face, but <laughs> right. But you know, but my, my problems is Gregory Peck, whom I like, I just don't think he's very good in this movie. I think that he's really wooden and yeah. he just okay. gets more and more like uh disturbed and mad at, at, at what he's seeing around him. And like that's just that's his face the entire time. Like he's mm-hmm. there's not even when he's like having these conversations with his uh fiance or soon to be wife and, and when he's having yeah. conversations with his son it's the same face it's the same tone of voice it's the same you know he's has some pretty like heartfelt conversations with his mom and it's like one, one of the things that just started turning me off immediately was like the, towards the beginning of the film he's trying to figure out like a way into this article he's trying to figure out how he's going to do it yeah and he's talking to his mom <laughs> coaching and, him up like crazy yeah yeah and, and, yeah, part. and, and, and he like has this idea. He's like, if I, if only Dave were here and like, apparently the audience is supposed to know who Dave is. And he's right. like, if only Dave were here, he would know, he would know what to say. He would know what to do. And he's like, by golly, that's it. I'll be yeah. Dave. And he, he like starts to like vomit, like exactly everything's going to do. And I was just like, Oh man, like we just got off of best years of our lives. And like, we have like some great, like great performances. And then like Gregory yeah. Peck, who was like, and I was expecting like a Gregory Peck, you know, performance. Mm. Um, really you're looking for Atticus Finch here, yeah. We're early. It. I didn't get it from him. Yeah. No. Um. It's um. Yeah. The mom. This is a very overconvenient mom. Uh. Where she's this cheerleader. She's this idea factory. Um. And I, I mean, it's an Academy Award winner. It's Anne. It's Anne Revere. So I mean, uh-huh. it, it's uh. You're not putting. It's not like. Yeah, you know, token jokester sidebar character mom put in there. It's not Melissa McCarthy playing mm-hmm. the mom, you know. It, it's, she won for a national velvet a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, but but it's an it's an actress, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they they yeah. put a pro there. Um, and yeah, you are the yeah the the I guess the 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 catalyst of this movie. You're right. Doesn't feel very organic, and I wonder if that's from. I wonder if it was equally that happenstance like in the in the original novel in the original magazine piece in cosmopolitan where um is it, it was it this was the mom i don't know it makes it look like the mom put the son up to do it and then like the 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 the, the, the hard put the hard pushing right. boss put him up to it even harder and like yeah. you're right not much of it comes from gregory peck now um and gregory peck i think that's kind of his when you talk about his thought his his look and his is is unflappable thing that he's got going that's kind of peck you know mm-hmm. where um because like even if you look at the great the atticus finch performance that we all look at like the man just redefines unflappable and i that's kind of his thing that's what you bring him in for like he that's your yeah that's his one thing um and i i i'm there there is that there and i see what you're saying but at the same time like by the time you get to that third act and him and mcguire have had that fallout um, or, mm-hmm. or even just their confrontation, which I think was the highlight of the movie for me. Like when, when they mm-hmm. have their quote unquote breakup scene where he just, yeah. he just calls her out. Um, yeah. you get, uh, you get as much emotion out of Peck as you, as you would normally not get. And McGuire's there, you know, selling it with, 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 I don't, and again, not selling it with tears, but just selling it with, you know, just, um, indig- equal indig- indignation pushing right back. And, um, yeah. But in yeah. that scene and in the scenes that happen after, like Peck starts to perkle up and bubble up and go, hey, I, I've been in this long enough that it's starting to push me and change me and I need to speak up or say so a little bit more and be more vocal 
and not just uh, you know a back a background observer. And um, he's still again Peck, you know, where it, it's just right. kind of his shtick. But uh, right. But um, but when he he's that guy who when he speaks you listen, and when he starts to speak more, because I think his dialogue to me increases in that third act where now he's starting to hammer some points home. And by the time he writes mm-hmm. the piece and and stands up next to it. It's enough to go like, dang, good job, buddy. You can you can still clap that. Um, it's one of those like um, I, I hate to use a baseball analogy, but it's like it's Greg Maddox. Like it's not flashy. He's not pumping his arm after every strikeout. He's just like, nope, I did my job. I got you out and walking right back to the dugout. See you the next inning. You know, like some, sometimes yeah. that's Peck, but that every now and then Maddox is like, I, I'm I'm the surgeon. I'm the doctor. I'm going to get you out. You know, like the competitor is still there. It, it's it's weird. I- yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I get what you're saying, but like, I'll equate it to a movie that came out huh? uh, just a couple of years ago, The Power of the Dog, which is a film that I really like. I like where you're going with so, this already. So there is a, a character in that film, Cody Smith, Cody Smith McPhee yeah. plays this character. Yeah, he does. Who is effeminate and he gets beat up on. He's code, very coded as like a homosexual. Yeah. Um, uh, and I remember a lot of people really loved his performance in that. And there was a lot of talk of him um, winning um, the Oscar. Sure. And, um, and he was nominated. And for the life of me, I was just like, what? what? Why are people? Like, he was yeah. terrible in this movie. Yeah, he... And I think it's because in Power of the Dog, his character is the catalyst for a lot of like pretty crazy things that happen in that movie. Totally. And like, and like his character brings about the demise of freaking Benedict Cumberbatch of yeah. whatever Phil, and and I think that people mistook his role in the film mm. as what made his his acting or what like they, his acting got elevated because of what, what he was saying. doing in the movie. Yeah, it's like position versus performance. Like exactly, yeah. Like Smith McPhee is obviously the linchpin of what you're talking about. Everything, right. everything rises or falls by what his character twists and turns, and does it so weakly and quietly for a on the paper weakly and quiet character. But at the same time, it's on, the only reason why we even see it or hear it or register it is because he's in this position to make all the dominoes tumble. Um, whereas and what I position felt was like performance. a like a stiff and kind of like I think so too. I mean, wooden kind of yeah. But I, I don't I don't I don't you know I think that's Cody Smith McPhee. I don't think he's like the most talented actor. No, he he's that's about his yeah. He's not an animated guy. Isn't that's not Timothy Chalamet for example, where like right who, who would overact the hell out of that. Oh man, you, it, any there's a lot of people that could like chew the scenery oh, with that role. Yeah, but Cody and, like doesn't. I get that he was like playing subdued and like I yeah. I get that I get that I just don't think it was a very good there's acting a, performance. And there's um, um there's a talent for that and, and a and a spot where that is necessary and works, but um but you're still missing hundred percent. There's no. great subdued roles. Sure. Pl- you know, playing subduedness or whatever, and and Gregory Peck's not playing subdued. I'm just oh, saying, I feel like but because of the, the, I think the the message that the movie's portraying, yeah, and like the words that he's saying, yeah, like are really hitting home in some areas, and like I I, I just feel like that his position agreed is is more is better than the, yeah. than the actor. Like I and it, and sure enough, on the Oscars, he didn't win. He didn't win Best Actor. I, I'm trying to think if you if he was even nominated. He was, but um, but no, um, I think he's there because he is the important character in the important movie with the important issue. He is there because of position, uh, like we were trying mm-hmm. to say here, where he's in the position to be the exposition receiver and the witness to all these things, but the performance right. to go with it. Yes, isn't all the way there as much as yeah. it could be. I'm with you there. Good call. But I just, I just, you know, and, and then like when I when I did my homework and I was reading about the movie, yeah, you know, Elia Kazan and, and Gregory Peck did not get along on this film. That could um, be part of it too, in a weird way. Like and, I'm not going to give you everything I've got, but yeah, cut it and, and put and it. And in Kazan the has publicly said that he didn't like Peck's performance and that he's not like happy with the film. Like he, he Kazan won best director for this film. Sure did. And, and he was saying like at the time, like this is not, you know, I, yeah. I, I, and there's, there's some things here that I didn't really like. And Peck 
said the same stuff. Like I just, I didn't, I didn't get along with them. You know, this is not a good performance. I didn't really huh. like it. And you can like, I can see that. I didn't know any of that before. I was like, ah, oh, this is not a great performance. But you know, Peck has come out later, like in the sixties, he, he, you know, he had said like, well, I feel like I was misquoted. He's like, you know, mm. I feel like now as a, as a mature, more mature man, a much more mature actor, you know, I could, I could have done it. So I don't know if they're like budding heads or if Peck came on as like, yeah. you know, big man on campus and, you know, tried uh, to, cause Kazan was like newer on the scene. So I don't know if Peck was like trying to, you know, flex his muscles I don't muscles know if Peck not, was but. like as super established at that point either. Let me see here. Forties. He, yeah, he had spellbound. Like spellbound he and, got yeah. an Oscar nomination for looks like Keys of the Kingdom. Like he, he was a man on the block by then. You're right. Um, obviously his big stuff comes later. Where, um, I mean, right. spellbound is saying you know, Roman Holiday is huge for him, yeah. and the fifties and sixties yeah. peel away like crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. no, um, yeah, you maybe that's big time actor saying. Hey, rookie director, you're not getting everything yeah. I've got. You don't deserve it. I'm not, right. you know, maybe I'm not as keyed in. Like, this is a nice story, and I like the message because he seems to be a message politically minded actor on screen and off. Where I think yeah. this this was the right, I think he chose this for the topic more than chose this for the chance for a big performance. And, and it, you're right. Yeah. I think it shows. Um, you're right. Somebody could probably come in here and go a lot harder um, and probably then make a bolder uh, an even bolder movie than what was already here but again now i start to wonder could a bolder movie even be possible because again we like we've been talking about over the years here what 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 can you get away with code language whatever because like right yet a decade later like you said we can say pike and crazy things like that like you can put some words down in this yeah movie, so yeah and, and then there's another thing I'm just gonna I didn't like the movie and I didn't have a lot to talk about so I'm just gonna rail on things I didn't like get it and then you can kind of and then you can, I can you can bounce back off sure. of it. but what I really like Doris McGuire and yeah. I, I liked her a lot in this movie and I, she was the most compelling thing for me acting wise I, I thought she was doing a great job in the beginning because she was kind of like silly and not so serious mm-hmm. and and was really kind of like the yin to Gregory Peck's like yeah. gross you know like wooden yang and um I thought they were like a good couple mm-hmm. and, I, and I bought the romance be- just because of that dichotomy. Yeah. But then as the movie goes <laughs> towards the end, when she's like realizing the error of her ways and she sits down with John Garfield, uh, Dave Goldman yeah. uh, in the film. And he's kind of explains to her like in like a Sunday school lesson. Well, did you think about it this way? Yeah, he That was, yeah. And, <laughs> and then, but then she kind of does the whole like, Oh my gosh, you're right. Uh-huh. And I did this and that was wrong. And I did uh, that and that was yeah. wrong. And this is what I and I was just like, no, uh-huh. you were the chosen one. Yeah. You know, you were supposed to be better, not become yeah. them, you know, like what is going on? And um and that that I mean that lost her her Oscar probably. <laughs> probably. Um I, I was, it was so bad. I think um because this is I have to step back and go, this is all fictional, made up from a magazine story and whatnot, but um um and she lost uh oh gosh i realized she w- oh she was best actress yeah she did lose to farmer stuttery but again. no um yeah i like i think again position performance whatnot um yeah i think her character is essential like like because yeah. if like if if all gregory peck's character does is see a few co-workers see if you sidebar this sidebar that fringe this fringe that just you know periphery people act in poor ways that's one thing yeah. and you can call that out it's yeah. a simple article but when it's your yeah. fiance which yeah. is a little harder and hits a little more home where yeah and and, and mcguire then has to make and, and again with thanks to the playful really romantic start when they're sharing dances and whatnot yeah. like yeah. um they're, they're a really fun couple but um mm-hmm. she has to sell and it's not a heel turn air quotes like it's rustling no. but she has to um she has to be exposed and but without going all without being labeled all the way as evil. And that's a really well, that's hard the thing, thing. Is, that's a really hard thing I, to do. I think that they already did it and then they had it a whole other scene where they just beat us over the head with it. Because they did. Yeah, I call it the, the best movie, scene in the movie where they argue about it, but it, it is a beat over the head movie. It's well, no, that scene. that is all they needed. They didn't yeah. need the second sit down with, with John true. Garfield. Yeah. Although that Garfield I mean the, the the good part about Garfield is um 
because if if this is a one all, shoe they had in the movie, well, that's the thing. Like that makes him the that makes him the unsung MVP of the movie. Because if you don't have that, and it's just all of us wishing and hoping and pretending to pretend to think we are this and pretend to think we can be that, then you're missing a an, any element of authenticity and realism. Where Sunday school lesson at all, John comes in and wins that movie in the third act, where he's. He's the supporter. He's the defender. He's the the realist. He and again, he's the Sunday school teacher. But uh, I just got to have him too. I loved the subtleness of it's going to be this big magazine. They're going to expose all this hate and bigotry, yeah. which they they're doing. Yeah. It was like the hotel and the, you know the, the the bigger things. But when it comes to the home front stuff, mm. the stuff with your spouse and how yeah. you know, and she had you know what what is those those uh like realizations uh, those like everyday feelings that people have that yeah. they don't like those these micro um uh, aggressions and these uh, mm. like racist and and stereotypical things that yeah. that normal everyday people feel but they can't they don't they're not getting called out for them mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like fall, it's like the, all my yeah. All my best friends are black. You know, the yeah. whole like it was it was that, but yeah. it was like it, for Jews. And mm-hmm. and she even said, like, I'm just gonna say it. I'm glad you're not a Jew. Like I I don't know why you're taking this on. And and like it, it felt heartfelt and it felt like it was coming from like a it felt like a coming from like a real place, like a normal, like a mm-hmm. real conversation that that you would have with somebody that had those feelings. Yeah. And it was subtle. And then and then Gregory Peck has the rebuttal which is a good rebuttal and like Very good I, rebuttal. I, those were good points yeah. that he was saying and i wish they would have just left it and let her come to her own realizations because we don't all have a magical jew fairy godmother that's gonna sit us down <laughs> right 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 tell us all the things that we did yeah. wrong should this have been an unhappy ending where they don't stay together or they don't a get back a thousand percent well yeah. not only that harder? but like it would have hit harder. I, I mean, you can tie a bow around it, but but don't don't hit us over the head with it. Like, True. leave it subtle. Leave it leave it organic. Yeah. And they and it, they left that, and it became a studio film. You know, yeah. and, and yeah. I just I didn't I didn't like that at all. And I also didn't really like how like Gregory Peck like took all of Jewishness on his shoulders. Oh, and it was yeah, like, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Ju- like uh, white saviors trope only Jew savior trope yeah which is rare <laughs> yeah, exactly. but it, all of a sudden it's here yeah right no, yeah um, so like um how did you feel about um how did you feel about the child dynamic in the movie because like early on um and it's young Dean Stockwell from Quantum Leap Dean you know? Stockwell it's man yeah. yeah yeah um but it's um at that first scene where um Peck has to describe. I think it's um is he yeah, I think he's describing anti-Semitism at the, at the breakfast table with mom um to his son and like you know um I, I like I as a parent I'm like how would I explain some of this crazy stuff to a child and like and like um uh how did the mother say it? your face takes sides like you don't have a good poker face and which is kind of yeah. peck doing a peck again yeah. but um and I and I I realized watching the scene and doing the notes on it like um you know, Peck describes anti-Semitism backhandedly with like kind of an anti-woman, you know, comparison. Right. And like, right. you know, like even the good guys aren't all the way, like, aren't perfect either. Like, did did the child angle work for you, or was it a tech on thing? I think the child. Yes and no. I, I think yeah. that it's good. Like, if children see this movie, they're going to identify with the child character. Yeah. And so I feel like if this is really like a moral like lesson type of movie, put Dean Stockwell in the, a little bit more. Yes. Show him experiencing the schoolyard bully stuff. Yeah. And show him like show kind of like the internal struggle of him. Like, should I tell my dad he's already taken on too much? And then kind of like show, you know, let the child figure out, you know, like, wow, this is it's brutal out here. You know yeah. what I mean? As opposed to just like a conversation in the hallway. You know yeah, I mean? like dad, I got beat up at school. Like it, it, it yeah. happens too quick and too easy with not the most resolution in the world. Where yeah, it's more yeah. of a oh no, one more thing for my story, you know. And yeah, I think a different movie could and should maybe lean on that a little harder and make it yeah stay. But I, I'm sure when you do that, you you shave off Dorothy McGuire stuff. So it, it's hard. Um, 
Yeah, because yeah. it's already two hours. We're yeah. not trying to make a three-hour opus on this one. I mean, yeah. this is a big enough topic where you probably could. And um, and I we talk about this a lot when we're on together. But like, um, I always like to think of like um, I I do the time capsule thing. Like, and again, like you've talked about with the code, where this was probably about as hard as it could go. Whereas today, this would be fucking moonlight. Like, this would be brutal. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we would see all yeah, the horrible yeah. things happening to a demographic that's being targeted or, or called out or right. ostracized. Like, this would go harder and therefore then would make, would be heroically more redemptive and whatnot. But it wouldn't be, sure. it'd be more than a magazine article. Um, right. And more power to it if you can do that. But at the same time, there might be, I know those people who, there are, there are movie audiences who like, um, it's not torture porn. I forgot what the better term for it is, but like when you just show the atrocities and you put your little bows on them in the end, like, but you spend an awful mm. lot of time really doing the atrocities, a lot of detail where you, do you equate that enough with the healing and the the good stuff that should come after? Um, a, co- a comparison for me, for example, is um, Unbroken. Uh, the, 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 yeah. the Louis Zamperini Angel story. Yeah. yeah. Where, um, that book is like three acts. It's his youth, it's his inter- internment, and then it's all the amazing stuff that he did after, you know, finding Christianity. And mm-hmm. the movie just spends 90% of the time just beating the shit out of him with all the internment stuff. You get mm-hmm. a little do- dollop of what he did in the war and on the boat, and then the movie mm-hmm. just ends when he's free from being a prisoner of war. And not all of the, the really good stuff about his story, where it it, it felt very... Over focused on the harshness. And I think mm. a movie like this today would just over focus on the harshness. So there's something yeah, to be said no, for I agree. topical and talk. I uh, yeah, I mean I love I love the idea of this being like a smaller yeah. insulated thing that kind of is happening inside of you know, rooms. Yeah. Yeah. And and that it's I don't know, I just I think that there can be a a, a more a, a stronger, more hard-hitting movie. Because I think at the end, that scene in the in the at the dinner table with mm-hmm. with um with the two with with John, yeah, and uh, what's her name? Dorothy McGuire, Kathy, Kathy, yes, with uh with 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 John Garfield and Dorothy McGuire. I just that turned me off. So and I was already kind of on the fence of not liking it, and then I was just like, "Well, this movie's trash." Like, because like there's something to be said about subtlety, and I don't know. Like, and there there should have been like, I know that Gregory Peck is like they wanted like a Gentile to play this role. Hmm. Um, I really think that they should have cast a Jew. You're saying like take it. Like take it all the way back to the studs and cont- and to the the idea because itself. Because then like, it hits harder as an yeah. audience member. Because I'll, I'll, do, I'll give another example. Doing his own investigative journalism. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll fake give it, another do example. It. Yeah. Is so there is a movie that came out a couple years ago. A movie that I love with my whole heart. It's called Cyrano. Uh, it's the story of Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, the story of Cyrano de Bergerac is. He is a poet and a writer, and he's very good with words, and he's madly in love with Roxanne. And Roxanne is a beauty. But Cyrano's problem is he has this huge, disfigured, crazy nose. And so you've seen Roxanne with Steve Martin with his crazy nose. You've seen Cyrano with Gerard Depardieu and his big nose. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he needed makeup. But right. <laughs> but in, in this Cyrano, he's played by Peter Dinklage, mm-hmm. a, a man who has dwarfism. Yeah. And that movie is amazing. It is a five-star masterpiece. If you haven't seen it, watch it. But the reason why that movie is so amazing is because at the end of the day, we all know that Steve Martin and Gerard Depardieu are going to take off those noses and go back to bed with their beautiful wives. Right. Peter Dinklage can't take off any prosthetics. That is who he is. And he he is lamenting about who he is and he is he is madly in love with this woman who doesn't, he doesn't think will accept him and it's beautiful and it's provocative and it's fucking heartbreaking and it's beautiful. And I've seen it a hundred times and I cried a hundred times. That movie is amazing because you feel for him because the words that are spoken to him and the songs that he is singing eloquently and amazingly, you feel it because that is his personal struggle too. Yeah. And I just feel like for all of Gregory Peck's, 
acting about how this is hurting him and how it's truly, mm-hmm. you know, like terrible what's happening. At the end of the day, he takes he's it all not out. a Jew. Yep, right. He can take it all out. Yeah, and and it doesn't hit as hard. And I feel well like, I feel like if it was a Jewish person playing it, it would it would it would hit harder. Yep, you, matter it more. Would drive that home, yeah. and you wouldn't need the scene at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, hitting all the people over the head, all the Gentiles over the head, yeah. because we would have been knocked out of our fucking socks. I, you're right. That's that. Well said, man. Um, that is, you're right. We're being. We're having our hand held, you know, um, and therefore we have to kind of blame the source like that. That is the original idea of the novel of like, hey, yeah. let's put an undercover person here where yeah. um, were, were they too scared to have a real Jew? Because uh, uh, it's fictional, so probably. But like, Lord knows there probably is dozens, hundreds, millions of Jews you could tap into and be like, hey, tell me your story operating the world you operate. And they yeah. can tell you. Without being, without stumbling into it, without investigating it, without, without notating it, it's happening to him. Um, and right. it, would, it would be a lot, yeah, it'd be a whole lot more genuine. Right. This um, is my story. Right. Exactly. Um, well right. said. I, that, that is, yeah. I'm, can, I, now I got to step back and ask, like, can it still be done with this whole proxy thing? Um, and it can, because we got a best picture winner here, and it's effective. And and Eli Kazan's that guy is like, hey, I'm, if I can generate empathy from this basic theme and from a hot novel, but at the same mm-hmm. time, yeah, there, there's a, you're right, there's a better version of this that just maybe it's John Garfield the whole time, and right, and I and I think he comes in and nail, I mean, he comes in by the time he shows up in the second half of the movie. Um, and not just because of the Sunday school stuff, but like with his toughness, with his, with his thicker skin of like, Hey, I know you're dabbling in this, but I, I live this and watch mm-hmm. me live it. And then I'm, mm-hmm. even though I'm a soldier, even though I'm a hero, I still get shit for it. And you, mm-hmm. you can only imagine, um, yeah, to tell do the sequel, tell his story, you know? Yeah. 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 Agree. Agree. I think the best version of this is, uh, the SNL skit when Eddie Murphy puts on whiteface. And, yes. And he goes and. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's all I could think of when I was I know. watching this movie. It, it's hilarious. Um, no, um, Oscar-wise, um, this this beat out um, the Bishop's Wife, um, which is a, a big populist hit. Like I, I was telling you before that we got on air. Um, mm-hmm. When you do those mm-hmm. inflation-adjusted box office numbers, is one of the most watched movies of all time. Um, Crossfire is mm-hmm. a, a like you said a a very maligned. Um, House of Un-American Activities uh, noir movie that wasn't going to get a win. Great Expectations right. is a classic literary novel adaptation, which the Oscars love at this time of time, this time of year. Mm-hmm. And then we laughed about it, The Miracle on 34th Street. Right. How about that? Santa Claus, yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, what's a what's a modern comp to like what's the last like I don't know. Super like feel prestige good. Prestige one. Yeah. Like what's the fir- what's the last super feel good Oscar nominee? This is not like we can't put that with Green Book. We can't put that with Oh God, no. No, but like um but like a populist but I don't know how far back we'd have to go. Um it up when they expanded the field, get nominated. It'd be like a Pixar movie getting nominated. It's shooting the news, ninety one, you know? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Right. Forrest Gump. Yeah, but that's a drama, you know, like that's I suppose. It's yeah. not a trite holiday movie, you know. No, no, yeah, no, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's really My Fair Lady. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It have to. It would take something like that. Or yeah, I guess I'm thinking in the Beast up there next next yeah. to Ghost in 1990, 91. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, on <laughs> 34th Street, but you know the whole world was taken with uh, Edmund Gwynn. Um, mm-hmm. he, and he I. And so many generations yeah. Santa Claus after that. Oh, and he won Best Supporting Actor, which is, I, I, again, I haven't seen, I haven't seen The Farmer's Daughter. I haven't seen Ride the Pink Horse with Thomas Gomez or Tomas Gomez, and I haven't seen Crossfire, or Kiss of Death with Richard Winmark and Robert Ryan. But uh, I mean, mm. I, I know you're not. A, it's well, hold on. Now I got to ask because it's two Christmas movies in a row here in our episodes we share. <laughs> That's how. True. That's crazy. How are you with Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street? Are you? Are you as down on that as you are? It's a wonderful life. No, my my, my problems with it's a wonderful life are 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 you know I I I mean I like Christmas movies fine. It's a wonderful life is a saccharine. <laughs> luck. All right, but but how is how is Mary everything goes right for the white man? 
Miracle yeah. on 34th Street is, is fine. I, I watched yeah. it a lot as a child. I really liked that one as a, when I was a little kid. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid. And I, um, then, I But mean, it was like a constant staple yeah. before, you know, Elf we, came out. We, I mean, we've seen this where, like, again, the sentimental audience favorite nominee sometimes it wins through yeah, yeah. And, and for this it might be two years in a row so oh yeah like yeah this is you're right this is on the level of troy costa and coda you know where mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. there are better acting performances there are more complete acting performances but this is the guy mm-hmm. we love from the movie we love and yep. that's that can get you a win yeah, um 100%. yeah i see that peck lost to ronald coleman in a double life i don't know that movie He's up there next to John Garfield. Better performance, I guarantee it. <laughs> Probably at this point. Um, fun thing is, uh, John Garfield in this movie was yeah. nominated for Best Actor in another movie, Body and Soul, the same year. So, mm-hmm. um, I'd be remiss since this is the first occurrence in your journey here of, of Elia Kazan. Um, yeah. I know yeah. there's a whole bunch of stuff about Elia Kazan that, just, that is beyond the movie. Um, you're, can we talk about that <laughs> sure like i mean because now that you're you're here now like this is your first kazan you're going to see him again um yeah. Oh, yeah. how do you how do you feel about that what kind of critic are you to reconcile issues this and that that are off screen so i i, I always this you, is my John. line i always say this if if i stopped watching movies because people in them did horrible shit i wouldn't be able to watch any movie oh. ever again i'm you with know? you like if, there's if, if you're going to cancel people fine do you cancel people but don't stop watching movies then yeah um, my line in return is i'm here for the movies i i don't right. i don't give a shit about the rest of it i'm here for the movies so yeah and that's the thing you know and that gets into like film criticism and 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 like i'm a film lover i've been watching movies since i was in diapers like i've been like obsessively watching movies mm-hmm. since i was in diapers and um you know i went through phases i was also a 15 year old dude so giant up was at one point my favorite actor um mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you reckon with the morality of the human and their choices, but then, you know, you know, uh, you know, you're also, you know, I'm watching Jack Sparrow. I'm watching, you know, you know, Elia Kazan's movie. I'm watching Roman Polanski's, you know, movie. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with what they did in life. I'm not, you know, putting a stamp of approval on what they did. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the same way. I don't think watching movie is the, stamp of approval i know i like to try to say to people that this is a business first and an art exposition second where when i buy a tom cruise movie ticket i'm supporting tom cruise and his (laughs) minor fanaticism that's out there or whoever (laughs) is the person of target at the moment like oh you're you went to see baby driver you're giving kevin spacey money am i um it's i won't i also won't pigeonhole the movie to one person either like Uh there's hundreds of people who made a movie like baby driver made a movie like this where it's not all like it's on it's not all kevin spacey it's not all whoever so and for, that's why and I say for those of, movies. So. For those listening that don't know Ilya Kazan's, uh... <laughs> dip in. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you, uh, this is all you, brother. <laughs> oh, I, I'll read the Wikipedia paragraph. So, uh, quote unquote, uh, a turning point in Kazan's career came with his testimony as a witness before the House Committee of Un-American Activities in 1952, at a time of all the Hollywood blacklisting, um, and it brought him strong negative reactions from friends and colleagues because his testimony apparently helped end the careers of uh, some of his former colleagues and the work of a couple of other people. And um, it was kind of um, um, a pact that Kazan made with playwright Clifton Oditz, or Clifford Oditz, where they said they would name each other as complicit in front of the committee. And that just happened to be, got to Kazan first. Um, he Kazan himself tried to kind of later justify his act by saying that he took uh, the quote unquote only the more tolerable of two alternatives that were neat that were that were either way was painful and wrong and he's probably right where um you know a half century later we've been able to kind of see how even the testimony causes controversy and how um it's still you're still kind of in um i don't want to say a boys club or or, or you're, you're still in an exclusive elitist place where I remember this watching this where he was awarded an honorary Oscar in 1999 for his career of work and um, uh-huh. where they had demonstrators picketing the event. You know, how many uh-huh. years later is this 50 years later? Um, and there were actors who would not stand up for the standing ovation that you normally give the honorary guy the, of the night, you know, uh-huh. and like are, are, are people who are that far removed or that 
it's connected to something that is done and gone. Are you really that salty still? I, I guess there are folks that are that way, but as we demonstrated between the two of us, we're just not those people. So, and it should be said in 1999, Gregory Peck supported the decision to give Eli Kazan his honor Oscar yeah. for a lifetime achievement. He said that he believed that a man's work should be separate from his life. Completely agree, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if we can attribute that to every man, but uh, I do. I tell my students at school, don't listen to my podcast. I say the f word. So sorry, kids. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Shanahan's out today. Don is in. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you know that's you know, and I you know, uh, Frank Capra, you know, whom everyone loves to mm -hmm. talk about, had some pretty um, unfavorable <laughs> things that the, he was doing. You said it. There's a list like. Clark Gable, Errol Flynn, like you go back oh, far enough. Yeah. There's some yeah. they motherfuckers. Be day one. <laughs> I mean, we hear about yeah. it now, like John Wayne, yeah. like some of the stuff we knew, oh, some yeah. of the stuff we're like, dig a little deeper. You'll see some. Yeah. Everyone's got yeah. skeletons in their closet. So oh, you you get a big, huge uh, 30s and 40s guy, and you check and see how old his wives were. Good uh, call. Yeah. How many remarried? Sure. Yeah. How many busted up girlfriends? How many illegitimate <laughs> children? And you don't have to go that far back where. Jack Nicholson has how many wives? You know, like how oh, many? Boy, oh boy, yeah. Uh, didn't just. Uh, I'm trying to think who just had. Like Robert De Niro has like a five year old. You know, he's like oh, yeah. 78. Pacino. Yeah. yeah, like uh, yeah. everyone's a little. Everyone's a little yeah. shady. So just and shady. therefore everyone yeah. is just watch the movies. You know? Just watch the fucking movie. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, uh, Gentleman's Agreement uh, was nominated for eight Academy Awards. It mm. won Best Picture. It won Best Actress in a Supporting War. Laurel for Celeste Holm, whom we didn't even talk about. No, um, I thought she was ineffectual too. Like I know she's that yeah, little secretary I, part, but yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't have given it to her at all. I mean, I, Anne Revere was also mm -hmm. nominated, where I would have, I would have given it to Anne before I would have given it to Celeste. And Kazan won Best Director. Yeah. Peck was nominated for a leading role. Dorothy McGuire was nominated. I wouldn't have been mad if she got that. Um, no, me Revere neither. was nominated for supporting. It was nominated for Best Writing and nominated for Best Film Editing. Uh, but still, you know, winning three Oscars, that's that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. Yeah, you know, that's, that's legit. Um, like I said, people like to thumb up their nose at the Oscars. And, and I mean, it's it's the closest thing that film lovers have to the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, I, I get up for it every year. And mm -hmm. I, I know that I have a mountain of, of blind spots. And so I'm going to keep watching them. Like, and like you said, like, this is my first Eli Kazan. I have not seen any other Eli Kazan movies because I've have so many blind spots, you know, on the yeah. waterfront, East of Eden, Streetcar Named Desire. Yeah. Um, you know, I have not seen seen these movies. So um one that you won't see on the Oscar train because it just didn't make it that far. But um if you get to let me get down his filmography, which one can I recommend to you? Um I mean he's got the I mean the studs you're gonna see. A streetcar named desire is gonna come up for you on the waterfront is gonna come up for you. Um I recommend I mean East of Eden is where you get to James Dean, but um 1957 um, a face in the crowd um, mm -hmm. is one I'll drop a recommendation to you. Um, super Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith yeah. plays a heel um, where uh -huh. he plays this hayseed uh, convict who like gets his own radio show, becomes this like ch charm the pants off the public, make that make the people um, follow and agree with everything he says, and he climbs the political ladder like mm -hmm. Trumpian level stuff oh boy, oh in, in 1957 yeah. it's it's yeah. shocking how and it's the power of television then to like give this man an audience that he would normally not get um fascinating uh -huh. movie super i yeah n off the oscars trail i have yeah. face in the crowd yeah i'll check it out you know I, yeah i need like a separate podcast to, that's like all my <laughs> we've talked about this and the loser was yeah <laughs> and the loser was yeah yep um i mean over overall I mean, I, I'm always glad that I've seen these films. Um, this one's for me one of the ones that is lower on the uh, old rating scale. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was like a two and a half, three for me. You know, it's it's good. It's you know yeah. probably better than average just because the filmmaking is is there. Right. Um, I gotta tell you, I, I have a I have a three month old and I have a three year old. I also have an eleven oh. year old, but he's he's super chill. Yeah. Um, I fell asleep watching this movie. <laughs> I don't like. I, I don't know how many times. Like the last yeah. ten minutes, I watched probably fifteen times because oh. I would like wake up and then have to rewind it and then fall asleep and then wake. Up. Like it was just, it, <laughs> yeah. It uh, it's just and like not every you know I I'm sleep deprived uh, as like yes, a baseline. Uh -huh. So 
it, so it takes a lot to like fall asleep. And man, this one, uh, it wasn't doing for me. No, uh, for me, um, I it, it it turns into now that I think about it, like um, it's probably that movie where I'm watching some future greats walk before they run. Like I know sure, yeah. I know Peck will be better, and it just keeps getting better. I know Ilya Kazan starts here and keeps getting better. Where um, if if the, if this if the spot that they can kind of break through attacks a good issue at the time, not the best like we talked about, but mm-hmm. but puts a spotlight on something that normally wouldn't get some play in a very you know probably if, I, now that I think about it at the very end here, like I realize that playing off the stereotypes that Hollywood is very pro Jew, so for them to make an anti make a movie that calls out anti Jew is like an easy turn of events for them where this is right. probably wiffle ball, but, um, but it, it's, it's, yeah, I, yeah, I'm happy to have seen it. Like you said, but, uh, I, I want John Garfield's version of the movie. I still want it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, I'll be back next week talking with Kevin Brackett again. He's back. We're going to be talking Lawrence Olivier's Hamlet. Mm. Oof. Uh, if Good you want to watch that film and be ready for next episode, you can find it currently available to stream on Max and on Plex, or you can rent it for a couple of bucks on Amazon. You can find this show on Twitter at WinnerWasPod. You can find us on Facebook and the Winner Was Podcast. I'm on Letterbox. Find me over there. Email the show. Tell me what you think. WinnerWasPodcast at gmail.com. Don, not Dan, where can we find you and your work? Yeah, I my film reviews are published on Film Obsessive, part of 25 Well Media. Uh, through 25 Well Media, I'm also the co-host of the Cinephile Hits of It podcast uh, with Will Johnson, a, also a guest on Joel's show here. And um, my home base, where it all got started, is still everymoviehasalisten.com. Perfect. Thank you. Check all that out. Check out the podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider rating, reviewing, subscribing, smash that subscribe button. Uh, it would mean a lot, and then um, more than just me and my mom can listen back to the episodes. Uh, big thanks again to Casey Townsend at Waterway Music for the intro and outro music. Find him at waterwaymusicnc.com.